I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today, we'll be interviewing the host of the My Millennial podcast, Glenn James. He's an ex-financial advisor, author, and content creator. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you so much, Queenie. Hi, Pablo. Hey, how are you getting? I'm so good. So excited. I'm so excited. And hey, friends, this is Queenie. And Pablo. And welcome back to another episode. But before we get into it, do you have a money win to share with us, Glenn? Yes. And it took me by surprise, this money win. So a couple of months ago, I wanted to do something different with my time and I had a bit of spare time during the week. So I enrolled in a TAFE course and I looked online, like, yep, there's the course. And it was $6,000. And then when I went to pay, they're like, this course is actually free at the moment because the government have provided a whole heap of free TAFE courses to anyone who wants to basically upskill. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, so that was like, and I was prepared to pay the $6,000 because it was a course that I valued and, you know, interested in. And yeah. That's amazing. Can you share what the course was? Yeah, it's maritime operations. So I'm learning to be a qualified boat master. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And that's definitely worth paying for. So that's amazing that it's free. Absolutely. Yeah. So everyone, public service announcement. If you want to upskill your life skills, your career, 100% look at your state-based TAFE and you'll probably see that there's a heap of free courses. I love that. That's such a great money win. Thank you so much for sharing. Pablo, what about you? What's your money win? Yeah, well, I don't have a boat yet, but maybe I'll take the course now. So then when I have a boat or we have a boat, yeah. then get the free license. But my money win is last Friday, actually, we went to this Finder event because there is like a new documentary about the best founders in Australia. And Fred Shabusta, the founder of Finder, was one of the episodes, basically, and we did like a pre-screening. And then we got a free food and a free book at the end of the event. So that's a big money win for me. (laughs) Yeah, that is a great money win. And yeah, congratulations to Fred as well. It's so exciting. They're going through a lot of founders. So they've got the founder of Finder and then they've also got Canva as well and going through her story. So it'll be really cool to watch. I'm really excited for it. Awesome. And my money win is that we received our dividends, which is so exciting because Something about me is I love getting paid for doing nothing, you know, and dividends are amazing, (laughs) aren't they? (laughs) They're like the true, one of the true actual forms of passive income. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. And a lot of people get confused with passive income, but dividends are legitimately passive. Yeah. You literally get paid for for nothing. Mm. It's amazing. Highly recommend it. Sneaky plug. If you would like to get started investing, we have a free investing cheat sheet you can check out in the show notes as well. Just remember that anything we say in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't constitute personal financial advice. You can read my full financial services guide in my description. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our land and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. So Glenn, can you tell us 
How did you grow up when it comes to money? Yeah, so I grew up in working class Australia. Both parents, they did work full time. I think mum pretty much went back to work when I was four or I think in kindergarten, so five years old. Uh, So yeah, we didn't come from money. But one thing I do remember growing up, my parents, they never had any consumer debt. It was just that if you don't have the money, guess what? You can't afford it. And that flies in the face of modern society today, where if you don't have the money now, that's okay. You can still get and consume the crap, but you just have all this stress later on. So yeah, growing up, my parents never had credit cards, personal loans, and their home mortgage. And, you know, I remember we got a pool, an above ground pool. And my dad dug, you know, the 400 mil by hand over like weeks and weeks. Just so money wasn't flying everywhere, uh, but we didn't lack anything. Uh, so that was kind of, yeah, working class Australia. Uh, my parents weren't in professional occupations. They weren't degree qualified or anything like that. Just hard workers. Um, and conversely, like they've now retired and just basic principles over, you know, 40 working years of living on less than you earn and investing the rest. And they literally just use superannuation. So they've retired now, own their property outright, heaps of money in super. They can live off probably 70 grand a year for the rest of their life. Like money's not an issue. And I didn't need to do any get rich quick seminars or, you know, anything crazy. It was just slow and steady always wins the race. Oh, I love that. And congratulations to your parents. That's such an amazing story. Shout out, mum and dad. So happy for them. What do you think, Pablo? Yeah, I think that's great. You know, it really shows that you don't have to be like the smartest person on earth to retire early with a lot of money. No, and, you know, money has more to do with habits and behaviors than how much you know. You know, in my former career as a financial advisor, I had clients that were earning $500,000 a year as, you know, top four lawyers in the city here and couldn't shake a 50 grand credit card limit or credit card debt rather. So, and you know, can you think of anyone smarter than a lawyer who works for a top firm? Like that's no different to someone earning 80 grand with a $2,000 credit card that they can't shake. So the underlying thing there is the habits and behaviors. Yeah, very, very true. I love that so much. And okay, now we've discussed how you grew up when it comes to money. Can you tell us, are there any money rules that you don't follow? Yeah, so in the money world, you know, I hate budgets and I I don't really follow strict quote-unquote budget. And the ultimate budgeting phrase is almost like a zero-based budget where you have all your money that comes in, you allocate every dollar, so every dollar has a job. So at the end of the pay cycle of the month, everything's spoken for. I actually don't follow that because it's too restrictive and life is too fluent to follow a zero-based budget, well, particularly how I live. So I've got a spending plan where I plan my money and I allocate different accounts, but each day I don't have to go, oh, I've only got $8 today for lunch or I've only got $4 for a coffee. Some days... I'm happy to buy an expensive lunch and eat cereal for dinner. Uh, so I, I use a, a spending plan, uh, not a strict zero-based budget because 
It's all to do with behaviors. If my, and this is knowing your own personal behavior when it comes to money. So someone like me, who's more of a spender, my spending plan governs how much I can spend week on week. But if I was a saver, my spending plan would also give me permission to spend because of the account structure. So yeah, that's that's the main rule that I don't follow. And that is to have a, a zero-based budget that's strict on your money. Mm. Oh, I love that because yeah, budget budgets can be restrictive, but I love the idea of having a spending plan because that just sounds much more free yeah. and open, don't and, you think? Yeah, and I've recently allowed, so I've got a spending plan. Can I talk about it? Yeah, yeah, you can of edit course. This out if you want. Um, no, 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 okay. no, no. Tell us, yeah. tell us. So I've got a spending plan. You can just search the Glenn James spending plan and it's free online course. So Amazing. we used to charge $80, $90 for that, but now we've just opened it up and it's completely free. So, you know, it is tough out there for a lot of people and maybe that could be the catalyst to, and I will say not change your money, but the catalyst to start changing your behavior when it comes to money. Oh, I love that. Oh, that is so lovely. And I'm sure people listening will get a lot of value from that. And I'm so excited. And if they don't, I'll give them all their money back. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And okay, so you've spoken a lot about behaviors. Mm. How can people go about changing their behaviors when it comes to money? Well, I think it's first being a little bit self-aware and maybe just a pen and paper writing down, okay, good behaviors, bad behaviors. And what if you wrote down three things that I'm really good at when it comes to money and three things that I'm really not so good at? And then what about instead of focusing on the bad side, doubling down on the good side? So a behavior could be, I'm really bad at spending too much at lunch when I go out. Okay, well, we we still want you to do that, but how can we still allow you to enjoy that without blowing out your expenses. And that's where it comes into like having a spending plan and, you know, doing doing your money based on you, not someone else. If you're an accountant, an engineer, an actuary listening to this right now, you're probably happy with a zero-based budget. <laughs> but if you're not an accountant, an actuary or a school teacher or someone that's kind of analytical – you need to try the behavioral side and have a bit more of a spending plan and not having a budget. And this is probably deviating quite somewhat from your question, but when I say I don't have a budget, that's me not saying I don't have structure. I have structure. I just don't have a micro budget. So yeah, do a list, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And then that will help you first identify any problems. So you need to be become a little bit self-aware. It's like, what? okay, what am I really good at and what am I not good at? And if you're in doubt, and this works for anything, money, relationships, talents, sports, if you don't know, ask your closest friend or spouse or partner. So if Queenie was like, oh, I don't know what I'm good at, Pablo will go, you're really good at this, this, and this. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, if in doubt, ask someone very close to you what they think your strengths and weaknesses are when it comes to money. Oh man, self-awareness. It's tough, right? It is. And it's confronting. I'm a bit, I always get a bit scared <laughs> before asking people <laughs> like strengths and weaknesses, you know, it's uh, a, yeah. yeah. What do you think, Pablo? Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, you already have these qualities, uh, you know, bad things. So I think it's just being able to identify it is 
not easy, but it's important to to have. And is there like something that you've identified for yourself and how did you manage it? Yeah, so I'm a spender by nature, which means by nature I suck at saving money. Now, I still suck at saving money, but I've decided and trained myself and kind of tried to double down on the behavior change that I'm a really good investor. So one of those things is I've worked on my investing muscle. So if I put money to my investing account, it stays there. You know, if I'm $20 short for lunch one day, I'm not logging into my investment account and selling $20 worth of shares. Like, nah, done. With my investment properties, they're all on principal and interest. So it's literally forced savings because I know if there's money left over in my life, it grows legs and walks out. Have an awesome time. Uh, but <laughs> it's just really knowing that I suck at saving money. I'm a spender. So I need to have some guardrails in place that governs those. I don't know if it, I would say bad behavior because a lot of the times with our strengths, and weaknesses, they're a two-edged sword. What our biggest strengths are can often be our biggest weakness. So I'm really good at spending money and I'm quite generous financially. So I need to be confident or careful that I don't give all my money away because you need to protect yourself. So those listening who might be more spendy like me, if you did nothing else in your financial life, then lived on less than you earn and invested the rest. Well, if you don't have a strict budget, whatever. Like <laughs> as long as you keep out of credit card debt, keep out of consumer debt, invest some money each week, whatever. It's better than not doing that. One step further, even if you said to your employer, hey, can I just salary sacrifice X amount a week into my super? Done, investing for the future. If you keep out of consumer debt, if your money's a bit sloppy, whatever, at least you're not going backwards year on year. I love it. That's that's really good. It's like it's simple, good advice. What do you think, Pablo? Any anything to share? Yeah, I think it's great advice. And you need to pay yourself first, right? Because if you think like you're gonna invest after you spend all your money, and then you buy a boat or a six thousand dollar course, and then you're gonna have no money left to invest. Absolutely, yeah. And that's the whole thing. It's like, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like, if you did nothing else but salary sacrifice to super or automatically transferred an amount each payday to an investment account and didn't have a budget or a spending plan, but kept out a consumer debt, year on year, you're still going forward. Yeah. And that's the main thing. It's a good point. Mm. Finding ways to automate it and just so that you don't have to think about it, you know? Yeah, you've got to remove you from the process. Yeah, because yeah. it can be hard to remember to invest every month. Totally. But if you can find a way, do it automatically, yeah. Huge difference. And the overarching thing is like, if you're listening to this podcast and you think I'm not heaps ahead in terms of money, the fact that you're listening to a podcast called Invest with Queenie and Pablo, you are ahead of the person sitting next to you on the bus who's listening to a true crime podcast right now. You know what I mean? Like, so you are dialed in. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely top of mind. So yeah, give yourself more credit if you're listening to this podcast. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast. Totally. We're doing really well. And okay, what's something that has really helped you move the needle when it comes to your financial life? <sighs> move the needle in terms of big progress or yeah, uh, investment think, return. Yeah, something that you think everyone should know that you're like, this is really, really helps me. I want everyone to know this. Yeah, I honestly think, and it might be one of your questions later about, you know, when it comes to investing, the best investment that you will make will be in yourself and your career. And for me, financially, what really moved the needle was building a business and selling that business. And there was a huge capital amount that came out of that. So that moved the needle hugely. Because you think most people that you know who are wealthy, they're likely to be a business owner. Second to that, they might be high up in sales or in a bit of a niche or medicine or something like that. So the most kind of garden variety people like me, can't speak for anyone else, but like I can't write a best-selling song and get $5 million of royalty checks in a year. But the best thing that I can do is work on me and the productivity that I give out to society. And for me, that was a business. And that's what moved the needle for me. Mm, I agree. Yeah. Like, so for my businesses, I can return 30 to 50% a year in profit. Like you're not getting that out of any ETF. Yeah. Yeah. Not even like some of the risky stocks. Like you might be up... 50% 50% one year, down 100% the next year, you know? Totally. So it's really cool. Investing in yourself, it, it often does have the best return. That's right. So following that, if you're not an entrepreneur type risk taker, that's fine. Not everyone will be. You've got to really look at your career and say, how can I optimize this? And I've got a career book called Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. And in that book, I talk about the four ways to make more money out of your career. And you don't have to start your own business because the best return that you'll make, like if you, you know, you did that $6,000 TAFE course and at the moment you might get a free TAFE course. You did the study a year, two years later, you might get a $20,000 pay rise. And if you're in your 20s or 30s, and you've got an investment portfolio worth $8,000 or $10,000 or $20,000, getting $20,000 extra a year is not coming from that portfolio. But if you upskilled, got a $20,000 pay rise, that could be a 100% return of your current portfolio. And that's going to happen each year. And then if you've got your habits and you know systems in place that you don't just consume all that money that you earn – that will have a better return than keeping at a job or career that you're not passionate about, you don't like, you might not be paid great. And I know, you know, I know people who aren't on a career 
vibe that they want to make all the money in the world. That might not be you and you might be happy. Awesome. But that money that you earn from your career, if you do invest some of that, that will be a better return than any investment you can make. Oh, I completely agree. I What I think is interesting about careers is like there are so many careers which don't require a degree, which require actually not a crazy amount of study or training and things like that that pace really, really well. 100%. And just by finding like high demand jobs, it's just like huge because we've got a friend and he's looking to change careers into being somebody that's like a safety officer for, for trains. So he, he would basically look at the trains, see if there are any delays, see if there are any people working on the train lines just to make sure nobody hits them. And uh, basically coordinating with people. I forget the name. I forgot the name exactly. I had a client once who was one of those. Anyway. High six-figure job. Totally. $160,000 a year. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's like, you know, people don't realize that you don't have to go to uni and study for five, ten years to become a doctor to make good money. Like there are heaps of options out there. Now, like I'm a fossil compared to you, like both of you. So I'd assume that your listeners are also – maybe around your age, would you say your average listener is maybe 25? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. So even if you're 25 or a bit younger, well, let's just start. If you're listening to this and you're in year 12 and you don't know what to do, don't just leave and enroll in uni mindlessly to something that, oh, I think I should do this. Just get a job and as long as you – have some intention that over the next couple of years, I'm literally just working to save money to experience life. Trust me, you can go to university when you find something that you're passionate about at age 24 or 23. Don't just run to university from school. Now, if you're listening to this and you're 25 and you've been out of school, you know, six years or whatever, and you're like, oh, I feel like it's too late for anything. It's not too late. You can retrain. Might not happen in the next 10 minutes, but start the process because the time's passing anyway. So just get started. Yeah, for sure. I agree. People always think it's too late. You know, you're going to talk to someone that's 25, they say, oh, it's too late. You're going to talk to someone 30, the same thing, and it just goes on. And people even don't even think not what they do for work, but where do they live? You know, they're going to stay in the same city that they are. I made a, a... ill-taste joke on my podcast recently about it's only too late if you're in the hospital and they've come to declare you dead. And then it really would be too late. That's that too late. true. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's ill-taste. <laughs> that's right. But that's but that we've got to get through to you that if you're still breathing and living and walking around and doing life, it is not too late. There are stories in the career book of people who are in their 30s And one lady, I think her name was Jade, she was a nurse. And sometimes if you don't have the vibe or the skill or the want to be a business owner, that's awesome. And then you might be like, well, I'm a nurse, but I can't get an increase in income because we're just governed by pay bans. And that's the same as educators, teachers or other non-profits. It's no longer a job question. It's a career question. She went and retrained and is now a nurse unit manager. So she's not doing the overnight shifts. She's more project managing. And she picked up a huge pay rise in the same industry that she likes. 
Oh, that's amazing. That's such a nice story. And I, I think it's so true because, yeah, I've got friends. I, I had this friend and she – well, I have this friend and she's 28 and she was like, I really want to become a real estate agent, but, you know, it's too late for me. And then I've got another friend and she's 40. She's like, I really want to become a real estate agent, but it's too late for me. And I was just thinking, Do it. you know, if my friend at 28, she decided I'm going to be a real estate agent by the time she's 40, like my other friend – she would already be a real estate agent. And it's still not late for my friend yep. that's 40 as well. It's because honestly the time never passes too late. anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, if there's anything that you want to try out, I think it's definitely worth it. And the, what's the worst thing that could happen, really, you yeah. know? Yeah. And if you don't know what you're about, so in the, and I don't want to make this about the career book, but it's such good value. The whole first chapter is about helping you discover what your values are. Because if you're a people person and you're at a job at a desk in a cubicle all day, probably not going to be that great for you long term. Yeah, that's true. That's so it's true. working. It's like, okay, I really value being around people. I really value systems. And, like you've got to build your whole career based on your values. Yeah. And you'd have a bit of an unfair advantage, you know, in the job that you love because it doesn't feel like work to you. Totally. Yeah. So best investment. This is Invest with Queenie and Pablo podcast. Invest in yourself. Yes. And check out the book. We've put a link down in the show notes. If you would like to check that out, really exciting stuff. I love it. So speaking of careers, what's the future for you? What does the future hold for Glenn James? Yeah. So as you know, and if you have heard any of our podcasts, like the My Millennial Money podcast has spin-off podcasts like My Millennial Property, My Millennial Career, My Millennial Investor. We've got one for people over 55s, retire, right? So I've got a business that I run and there's eight of us in the team. So recently I've thought I don't have a business because if I'm not around, like it stops. So what's in the future for me is to try and make it so the My Millennial Money business and brand is more of a platform that isn't built around Glenn James. And we've got that to a point with other show hosts and whatnot, but it is really to try and keep that going. So, because I'm a builder, like my personality, I like to build things. I don't like doing maintenance on things. Like if I built it, awesome, I'll move on. Like I was really good uh, as a financial advisor, getting people from their current situation on track to their goals. When they achieve their goals, I'm like, oh, I don't, I can't help you anymore. Like, <laughs> I need something to do. I need something to fix. I need a, something to build. So, at the start of the year, I wanted to, because everyone in, and you'd get this as well. Like, we ask people, like, oh, what are your plans for this year? Or you get asked, what are you doing this year? As like, you've got these big plans. The plan for this year for me was to do less, but do it better. So, really get micro and deep on what we're doing that works and putting more energy behind that. So within all that, doubling down on what's working because you know it's got a track record and then it's like, okay, well, I need to somehow do this so it can keep going if I'm not around. So pretty much now I only work two days a week and I could probably do it one day a week. Um, I've been helping a friend build his house and paint and do that. I've been going on my boat and that's why I started the TAFE course because I'm like thinking, oh, is it too late to, to do something else or whatever? 
and it's not because I'm still breathing, I'm still living. So now I'm doing two days a week at TAFE, doing maritime operations. And that could mean for me that I get a job and I'm the master of a ship or do something in the harbour or ferry. I don't know. But definitely keep my millennial money happening. And the mental contrast and agility of doing the TAFE course around boats and you know international regulations for markers and all that stuff it's made me a better podcaster because I come back and do our money show and I'm engaged because it's still a passion of mine. And what's actually happening is when I started My Millennial Money, it was a side hustle, which then became a full-time thing. But now I'm trying to make it so it's going to be back to be a side hustle that funds my life. So the short answer is I have no idea what the future looks <laughs> like, but I'm moving in a direction where I can get other quality people and our show hosts to be on the platform, My Millennial Money, still make it a really good community thing. I'm not your guru. I'm just facilitating a conversation. And, yeah, it's great. Oh, I'm so excited for you. That is really cool. Living your best life. Trying. Pablo loves boats too. Yeah, like it too. But I think it's really good what you're doing because, you know, maybe when you have like eight hours a day doing something, you're going to spend maybe six hours doing things that don't matter. Yeah. But now you have only two days. You're just going to make the most. Uh... Yeah, and that's a good point because in my business, we've recently moved to the four-day work week. So my whole team has Fridays off and, you know, that's awesome. It's really good. Like we're still getting all the work done. Like I think there's sometimes eight to 11 or 12 podcasts a week that we produce in terms of our platforms. They're all still getting done in four days. It's wild. <laughs> Wow, that's and then, impressive. Yeah, and for me, I've been more productive because I've just told my team I'm only doing interviews and appointments on Tuesday and Wednesdays. So Thursday and Friday, I do TAFE. Monday, do whatever I want. So yeah, I would just, for those who are listening who are self-employed, just really try and maybe design your business and what you do around your life because I don't know. I, I never was keen to have, and it's just a personality thing. Like we, we go to these money events and these small business events and it's like entrepreneur, take over the world and all that. It's like, <sighs> seems stressful. <laughs> can't, I, can't I just chill? Yeah. At the end of the day, we all just want to have a nice life and, you know, spend it doing the things we love with the people we love and, yeah, I think any way that we can try to make our life more aligned with the life we want to live, I think that's a that's a good thing for all of us. Absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Glenn. Where can people find out more about you? Our Instagram, My Millennial Money, or you can subscribe to our podcast, My Millennial Money. Oh, amazing. So excited. We'll catch you there. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much, both of you. I really appreciate your um, professional relationship that we've got but also our friendship it's um we don't get to hang out much but um when we do we're either in venice like last time or <laughs> or in your studio <laughs> i know it's so cool yeah. and that's the fun thing about yeah being able to travel like it's so so amazing isn't it yeah that was really fun <laughs> yeah so all right thanks so much guys thank thanks. you bye, bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 